a listener production. Okay, here we go. He is ice cool in moments like this. Oh, the big fella runs back into heavy traffic. Look at him go! Oh, he's got the headgear off him. This is Footy Talk, Juno's edition. Brent Reed is here. Reedy, what do you got for us? I'm excited to talk about the kangaroos, Adam. One of the highlights, mm. or should I say lowlights of the year. Speaking of lowlights, Michael Chamis is here as well. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't been this excited about a Jerome Luai social media post as he called Michael Carianis a gronk. <laughs> Let's go. Here we go. So, Footy Talk, it's great to see you, Michael Chamis, remotely today being down in Melbourne, as I am, for, for the Cup, but there you are, resplendent in a screen. How are you, mate? Beneath us, where you belong, mate, beneath us. <laughs> and uh, Danny Widler is beneath us today. <laughs> the poor bastard's moving house. I do, do not feel sorry for him. His fault, his problem. And anyway, we're going to move on with Brent Reid uh, from News Corp. Reedy, how are you, mate? I feel honoured. I'm honoured to be here. You finally mm. got a call up. We've had that many people fill I've in this heard, year. Yeah, I've heard you've been grabbing all, all Riccio, sorts of people. Pengilly, I'm way down the pecking list. Well, that's where you should I've be. only been with Triple M about a decade. Anyway, <laughs> thanks, Charlie. I'm on fire. Well, you're here, well, aren't you? Hey, yeah, great problem? to be here. Great to be here. Break up the monotony of the off-season. Can't keep bagging <laughs> the uh, kangaroos every day. We'll move well, on we're going to start. Else. We're going to start. Oh, we're going to bag them. Oh, okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> what on earth happened Perfect. on the weekend? What on earth happened, guys? Did you watch it, Mick? Yeah. Oh, you watched it. Did yeah, you did. really watch it? I did watch it. <laughs> okay. What are you trying to say that I wouldn't watch rugby league? Uh, Come on, mate. Oh, look, it was disappointing, wasn't it, for the kangaroos? I found Mal's comments after the game quite puzzling. You know, it's good for the game. All you guys will be happy. I yeah. think that's Mel's default position when they lose. Every yeah. time they lose, it's everyone else's fault. <laughs> he says, no. Oh, you'll all be happy. Everyone wants to see us lose. Yeah. But we don't. I don't like seeing them lose. Not in, not in big game. I don't mind if they cop the occasional loss in a in a lead-up game, but not in big finals like that. And it's more, more about the performance. If they lose, you'd like to see them have a go. And that was diabolical. It was disgraceful. It's the worst performance I reckon I've just about ever seen from an Australian team. Wow. Ooh. Well, have you seen cool. – can you remember a worse performance than that? Well, no. It's in the history books. is the worst yeah. loss in history. So – I don't know, that you have to start asking questions around the players that weren't there. I think James Tedesco deserved his spot in that team, but I think now that they've lost, you, you have people criticising the non-selection of, of Reese Walsh and Caelan Ponga. Do you think they got it wrong? Uh, I think I Loyalty think, over form? No, because I think it served Mel really well. And I think James Tedesco should have been there. He's the Australian captain. You yeah, can't with you. get rid of the Australian captain. And I, th I thought Teddy actually had a go. I thought he was one of their better players. I think he made a couple of poor calls. I think Dylan Edwards didn't work on the wing. I thought he, he struggled a bit. Um, Ruben Cotter is an edge forward. I don't think he's an edge forward. They were the two obvious ones that stuck out to me. I don't know what you but, think. Well, what was so rank about the performance, though, guys? Like, what, why was it so nil. abhorrent? <laughs> no, I know they lost 30-0, <laughs> but what, what were the factors that caused that in your eyes? Ready? Well, a couple of them were those positional things they got wrong. It's been a long year. Yeah, but I think that's – it's been a long year for the Kiwis But they as were well, up for Nick. it. You could see they were up for it. Because of what we spoke about, the fact that they – Australia is so dominant, has been so dominant for so long. New Zealand, chip on the shoulder, we don't want to be number two forever. And you can just see they were up for it. And Australia the weren't before. up for that. Yep. Yeah. I'll tell you the other thing that surprised me. Why bring Nico on in the middle of your the phone's, field? Your phone's ringing. And well, it's, an un it's a number that I don't know, oh, so okay. I can't tell you who it is. Uh, uh, but the, that's the other positional one. Nico came on – for about the last 20 or something, came on the middle of the field, took Harry Grant off. 
Yeah. Well, let's take Harry Grant off. He may not may not have been playing great, but Nico got exposed straight away. So I just think they just saved their worst performance for the last game of the year. I don't know why. Maybe the preparation was bad. Maybe Munster was right that they were complacent. A little bit of everything. And the Kiwis were up for it. We're only five minutes into this, but he's, we've spoken more rugby league than we have all season. <laughs> yeah, I know. This is weird. I can change. Sorry to start talking But here's the storyline for you both then. And, and Tammy, well. you can go first with this one because it's something you brought up in the past in these seats. So Michael Maguire, New South Wales job, Kiwi job. How is it tenable that he does both? Now, I can't imagine after this, the playing group and the management of New Zealand Rugby League are happy that Michael Maguire is just going to maybe give that up and just focus on New South Wales. What happens from here, especially out of that? Well, I still think it is a, a conflict of interest. I think the New Zealand Rugby League, what Michael Maguire to continue, and they'll probably will, he will continue, but I, I don't see it being anything but a conflict of interest in regards to selection and when and where players select to play. And mm. it's whether or not these, these two parties, the New South Wales Rugby League and the New Zealand Rugby League, Decide that's a big enough issue to act on it. I don't think that either of them will. Do you see what I'm saying, Reedy, really, around selection though, in in terms of eligibility? Because the young kids coming through, and they may be young kids now, and you're saying, oh, who cares? Who cares? But the reality is, Michael Maguire, for the last few years as a New Zealand coach, has gone around and basically won a recruitment drive to convince anyone who was eligible to, to play for New Zealand to play for New Zealand. A lot of those guys are also eligible to play for New South Wales. What does he do now? He's the big winner out of the weekend, though, because now. New Zealand Rugby League's painted into a corner. They can't get rid of him because he's obviously just letting yeah. the big win over Australia. Yeah. Yeah. And the Blues can't really go beyond him because he, he's the guy they've earmarked and has now produced one of the great upsets in – one of the biggest – up well, not biggest upsets, but the biggest win for New Zealand Rugby League. So Madge is the big, big winner out of the weekend because <laughs> he's painted them both into a corner where I don't think either of them can, can go in another direction. No, they can't. I, I, I agree with you. There, I think there is a – Look, there's a slight conflict. I don't think it's huge, Mick. How many blokes would Madge have had to talk out of playing? You know, by the time they get to the level where they're eligible to play for New South Wales or New Zealand, most guys have made a decision about what they're going to do. Don't you think? Yeah, but you also have to realise that if you're playing for New South Wales, not only playing for New South Wales, not only is he encouraging to do to do that, he's also basically saying to them. You may be eligible to play for New Zealand uh, for Tonga and Samoa, which also is at conflict with New Zealand. So it's not only is he strengthening New South Wales and weakening New Zealand, he's strengthening the opposition. Guys like Jerome Luai, Stephen Crichton, I know they've already played already, so it's it's a it's a moot point. But the reality is they play Origin, then they can go play for Samoa, and then strengthen Samoa against New Zealand. Who really at the moment their biggest threat is Tonga and Samoa given what they mm. achieved in the last well, last couple of World Cups. I don't, I don't know if it's going to be a long-term appointment anyway. Man, I have the feeling it's going to be a Wales. short one for New South Wales. Well, yeah. it's, it's how, to, how can so you say that? What if he goes long. and wins? Well, then they'll give him another year. Well, if he wins again. I think they, they want to go, well, my feeling is they want to go year to year at the moment. Mm. So Is that the right thing? I'm a Queenslander. Do what you want. doesn't matter. Yeah. What's the, it's <laughs> the right thing because really, what does a contract mean in this situation? For Origin, if you're winning, you're safe. You, you lose, you're under pressure. Yeah. A contract means absolutely nothing. And no one's going to give him a three-year deal and a three-year payout guaranteed if, if he fails or a two-year payout if he fails. Yeah, the one-year deal makes sense for the New South I, I see what you're saying about the conflict, but I just think it's at a point now where both of them, as I said, they're almost painted into a corner where they can't go away from him. No, they can't. You know, so what does well, he actually do, though? Um, so when the first kid comes up and we're talking about the best young kid coming up, what does he actually do? Does he stay out of it? What's the approach? How do New South Wales and Origin? Well, how can, how can he stay out of it? If he's just as well? 
Well, you can't. Miles coaching. Like, well, he has to. It's his choice. So who's he going to tell? You're the your son. Let's go with Ollie Reed. Ollie Reed. He's eligible He's for New Zealand. He's only got one kidney. He can't play league. <laughs> He's eligible for New Zealand and New South Wales. What's Madge going to tell him? I'll have nightmares after hearing that. He's <laughs> eligible for New Zealand and New South Wales. Uh, yeah, well, I don't know. What... His father-son rule is a Queenslander. <laughs> well, just go with your heart, bud. That's what I'd be saying to him. No, not your son. <laughs> I said, what is Madge doing? To... Well, Madge is probably trying to get him to play for, I imagine, New South Wales. Oh, okay, so New Zealand will be happy about that. No, anyway, move on. I, I'm with you, Mick. I'm with you. It's uh, it's untenable moving forward in that regard. So, anyway, um, speaking of contracts, you, you said uh, the contracts mean nothing. Well, last week it looked like that um, one of the best props in the game, Adam Fanua Blake, took that thought to his contract with the Warriors and he basically said, oh, guess what, guys? Um, I've had to think about it. Now that it's past November 1, I'm out of here. I want, I'm bailing. I want to get back to Sydney. Now, obviously, it was personal reasons, so that's a factor and can't dive into that too much because it's a personal matter for Adam Fanua Blake. But what transpired over the next 48 hours was quite remarkable. Who did what? How did it – what are the stories that you're hearing behind the scenes about – the twists and turns of this yarn, because it is uh, one of the more strange ones we've had in the last seven well, days. Let's be honest, guys. Well, Reedy's the one who made it up. So, Reedy, you can probably hear made it up. It's confirmed. <laughs> he said it himself. Um, look, he obviously wanted to get out straight away. I think what they've said to him is, mate, hang around for another 12 months and you can go. Mm. And I think it works out best for him because you think about it in 12 months' time. If he was going to move now, he's on over a million dollars a year. Not many clubs can afford him right now for 24. For 25, you think about the clubs that are going to have money in 25. The Roosters, Jared leaves, Angus Crichton leaves, Joe Swalihi leaves. That's just one. But there's going to be a handful of clubs like that who are really well positioned in 2025 to be able to take on a guy like him. So I actually think it works in his favour. Yeah, but he wanted to leave on compassionate grounds. So don't, if he wants to leave on compassionate grounds, yeah. then it doesn't work in his favour, does it? If he wants to go now. Well, it depends how dire the situation is at ho- on the home front mm. with his mum and dad. And that's what the issue is. I, I believe it's his – I think it's his mother's quite sick. His dad's been quite sick in the past. So, you know, he obviously wants to get back here at some point. His preference was to go straight away, but they've reached an agreement where it'll be in 12 months' time. And well, can I ask you, didn't he leave Manly on compassionate grounds? That's interesting, right, because the Warriors dig in the heels a bit it looks a bit hypocritical, right? Because they took him on compassionate grounds, different sort of compassionate grounds. He wanted to get out of Sydney for personal reasons previously. But obviously, you know, you talk about your parents, right? His parents are sick, Mick. I'd want to come home and be near them too. Yeah. I can understand the Warriors digging their heels in there. I think for about a week before Adam Fanua, well, before you wrote the story, I think the Warriors were looking around for a front rower and a back rower, trying to actually find a replacement if it was to eventuate that they have someone ready to go, but it didn't turn out that way. And and as you said, they've now agreed for, for him to remain there for another 12 months, gives them time to find someone. Yeah, it, it works out well financially for Fanua Blake because the reality is there are going to be more clubs willing to enter the bidding war, but... For the Warriors, it also works out well. It gives them time yes. to find a replacement. There is rumours, all sorts of rumours last week about what they do, whether or not Isaiah Papali'i, who's been you know, rumoured to be wanting to go back to New Zealand to be with his wife who lives over there, she's a netballer, whether or not they do a swap deal with the Tigers. All those rumours have been put to bed for 12 months. Yep. And I think Isaiah Papali'i, he wanted to give Benji another 12 months and the Tigers another 12 months to see if that club can turn things around. So there's going to be a lot of rumours around Adam Fleur-Blake and whether clubs can afford to keep him, but next year they will be able to get him. What club fell over themselves the most, you get the feeling, about the possibility that Adam Fleur-Blake was going to be ready now? Oh, Dragons. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think the Dragons <laughs> are the obvious one. Flano will take any good player he can get at the moment. Ollie Reed's a chance. <laughs> Ollie Reed, yeah. yeah. Um, I think I think Canterbury, although – 
they've got some, they would have had some cap issues this year. I think Canterbury would have found a way because they believe they were getting paid house a couple of months ago. Did mm. they believe they were getting well, him or they told, were hopeful I'm of told trying they to get him? Sold, they told some players they were trying to recruit, Payne Haas will be coming to this club as part of the recruitment process. So I think they, they thought they were getting Payne Haas. Did they offer him a pub as well? The Payne Haas? Yeah. <laughs> Don't know. Yeah. Careful, Chammy. He'll definitely not talk to you for the yeah, rest of time, yeah. Gus. Where are you going with that pick? <laughs> yeah. No, I'm, not, I'm, I'm, with your stable, I'm just wondering because there was a lot of kerfuffle during the year around pubs being offered. Mm. So just wondering if he got one like <laughs> Tino and – what happened so I think, I think Canterbury would have come in. Look, any club that could have fit him in, I, I imagine would have had a go at Fenua Blake. Yeah. I think he's elite. The Dragons, are, I think, well, from what I know, the Dragons were the only ones who could have financially made it work. They've got over a million dollars in salary mm. cap space for next year, and that could be even more when you consider uh, Junior Ramon's got this hearing to come out of mm. um, that incident with the uh, from last year over Christmas. He may find himself seeing a prison cell at some stage. So if Junior Ramon is sacked, then they get an extra, what, four, 500,000 for him. They could have close to $2 million, the Dragons, in 2024 cap space. That's a lot of money that they're mm. going to have to start prepaying players for 2025. And then that gives them a war chest for 25 to go after anyone they want, really. And let's be fair. They want Joey Manu. They're not going to get Joey. They're not getting no. Joey. And, and they don't think they're getting Joey no. Manu. But front rowers, yes, I think the Bulldogs are desperate. I think they made some inquiries about the Saifidi brothers, whether or not they could get them there. I think they're well and truly in the mix for someone like a Terrell May who's hasn't signed for the Roosters yet. He's off contract at the end of 2024. 20, he's a free agent right now. So they're definitely, they definitely identified the front row position as something they want to bolster. But the other one is halves. Do, do, they, do they need a halfback? The, the Bulldogs? Dragons? No, the Bulldogs, I'm oh, saying. Course, yeah. What's the priority there? Is is front row more of a priority than going after a halfback? And then we get into the discussion, which we'll get to later, is whether or not they go after someone like a Jerome Luai. A lot easier to attract a very good front rower than it is a very good halfback because there's not a lot of fruit on that tree. No. no. So. no they might have to look to England. There's rumours about them look, looking overseas, isn't there? Lewis Dodd and guys like that. Tommy Dearden's in the market at the moment. Mm. You know, um, his management are quite close to Gus. So there's options there. Are you saying that people work with people within the game? You know it, Mick. Oh, okay. You work mm. with a few agents yourself. Do I? Yeah, that's right. I'm a quasi. What is it? What's the word again? <laughs> You're a quasi agent. You <laughs> dabble with a few agents, Mick. You're saying you don't? We all talk. We've got to talk to people in the game. You don't talk to people in the game? I talk to a lot of people in the game. I know. Your phone a lot of them like talking about you. Yeah? Yeah. That's okay. <laughs> Do people anyway. bag Jamie when you, when oh, you call up a please constantly? I start him. I kick it off. He, just, he's a bit just of a snake like that. He's a bit of a snake. What about that, Chamus? What's he about? Yeah, what yeah. he's written here? And that's how he gets people to talk. <laughs> I, I know how he operates. I've heard the stories. They all get back to me. What about Reedy bagging? Well, Chamus wrote this story about you. What do you What do you think? <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's how he operates. Of course. Okay. Uh, At least you can admit it. Yeah. Brilliant. Well, you two piped it. Adam, you two piped it, my friend. You two pipe down for a second. We'll be back in a sec. Talk about Jerome Luai and, uh, yeah, his situation with Ivan Cleary at the moment. <laughs> Guys, that Jerome Luai loves a Instagram controversy, doesn't he? He doesn't say much or at this time of year. Why would he? But so Ivan Cleary comes out and says what he says about what he wants out of life and success and whatnot. And then Jerome hops on Instagram. Now, is he on the wind-up here with – journos or is he on the wind up here with his coach he's just bored and he wants something to do what's your read on it you two well 
Well, Mick's the Penrith man. We should go to Mick. Well, I was actually out. I was actually out at the press conference last Wednesday. It was November first. The, the Panthers announced my place as the new major sponsor. Your place. Yeah, my place. Oh, yeah. It is a mansion. <laughs> it's got a mansion out there. <laughs> anyway, so Ivan Cleary's there. It's a, you get people to the press conference if you have the big dog talking. And I actually asked the question to Ivan because after about seven or eight minutes of obligatory questions about my place, the, the new sponsorship deal, we get to yep. the, the main discussion point of the afternoon, which is More Jerome Lewis's yep. future. And the question I asked was, Given the fact that Ivan has watched, I said, Ivan, you've watched Jerome from a young age. You know what he's capable of. Would you be surprised if someone was to offer him seven figures to go over to their club and be their main man? Can I ask quickly, was this a setup? Did someone get you to ask that no. question? Why, okay. why would someone ask? I'm just what? wondering because you're very tight with Penrith, that's all. So I'm just wondering. You're very tight with a lot of people. <laughs> anyway, go do on. Do people plant things for you to say, do they? Occasionally. In press conferences. Okay. Well, well, you never had a CEO ring you and go, mate, make sure you ask this question. Well, to be fair, I did get asked to ask a question in that press conference. Oh, there you go. But it okay. wasn't about that. It was about the major sponsor. Okay. So okay. it does happen. Go on. It does happen. Anyway, I didn't expect Ivan to take the bait. I thought he would just straight bat, you know, say nothing. But to be honest, what he said was that it would be a risk for other clubs because he hasn't done it before. He did a little bit at the World Cup and he his role at Penrith isn't to be the main man. So what he said isn't, isn't actually incorrect. What he said is is true. That's a fact. He is inexperienced in that role. It would be a risk to give him seven, one point whatever million dollars because he hasn't done it at the NRL and been a proven player. It's a lot of money to invest. I just didn't expect him, the coach trying to keep the guy to say it. I don't I don't know if that was the right call from uh, from Ivan. Given the person that he's dealing with, Jerome, we know that he can be someone who, who looks at these things, he can react on social media. And I think that Ivan should have read that situation differently because I think it was always going to upset Jerome Lua. I think Jerome Lua wants to feel the love in a club where the common theme is that everyone adores and loves Nathan Cleary. For the father of that player and the coach of the club to turn around and say it'd be a risk for other people, I thought that was the wrong call. Not the wrong thing to say in terms of what he's actually saying, but wrong for him to say in that moment, in the middle of a negotiation, when we know they've only given him two years, that 1.7 million, which is 850, other clubs are lining up to potentially offer him big money to go. I don't know if that was the right call. Your phone's ringing, mate. <laughs> you want to name that person? It's Blake Solly. Okay. What are you ringing about, Jerome? We, ha- we, have, a, we have a rule here. You've got to name the just, person? You have to name Sorry. who's ringing. It's Blake so, Solly, yeah. South Sydney CEO. Yeah. I, was, um, I was really surprised by those comments because I don't know Jerome as well as you know, Mick, but my impression of him is he wouldn't have taken those comments well. He would have taken them as a, a jab. I, I'm not there, so I don't know what context Ivan said them in, when he was a little, whether he was a little bit tongue-in-cheek or the context of it. When I read them, I thought, oh, jeez. I can't see Jerome reacting well to this. And he didn't. No, and he didn't. He posted, obviously, that message on social media. What did he say? Uh, know your know worth. Your worth. <laughs> Look, I don't know what Jerome's going to do, but my impression of the situation at the moment is he's obviously going to go and have a look what's out there for him. And I wonder whether he is sick of being the second banana, whether he wants to run, own the team, take a team and own the team and be the dominant figure there. I, that's the bit I don't. Uh, I that's think the bit you're right. I think he's got to get it. I don't want to put words in his mouth, but I yeah. think you're right. I don't know if he's sick of being this, the, you know, playing second fiddle to Nathan. But what I think he is, is he'd like to be the main man. Yeah. I, I don't think he's sitting there thinking, stuff Nathan Cleary, stuff these no. boys. Why am I number two? I should be number one. But I think he's seeing that and thinking, you know what? Maybe I can do this. And so what? Good on him for being ambitious. He's won three premierships. He's played Origin. He's led Samoa to a World Cup. He's entitled now to go out there and look at what he's worth, but also potentially explore an opportunity to go and be the man. He may fail. 
He may go somewhere at a club that is desperate for someone like a Jerome Luai and fail. But good on him for trying to be that guy because I think he's capable of doing that in the right environment. I'm not saying he's Nathan Cleary. No. Well, he's not Nathan Cleary. There's nothing saying he can't be a top four halfback in the competition. Yeah. Guys, and the interesting it, thing about this story, though, is with the Ivan Cleary situation is that they've still got to coexist for another year. Yeah, they'll, they'll do it. They'll be fine. They'll be fine. Winning but, solves all ills, Adam, and they'll keep winning. So while yeah. they're winning, I don't think there'll be any issue there. They'll work through it. They've I, known each other forever in a day, right? I think there's a bit of a mentality, though, and I think this stems back to Stephen Crichton. Whether you believe the Penrith side or you sit on Penrith's side in this or you sit with Stephen Crichton, I just I feel there are a couple of guys there who felt that Penrith didn't do enough to keep them. I'm not saying yeah. that's right, but I, I think that there's a an attitude that's sort of festered over the last 12 months that they're – not enough's been done to keep the players who've come through the system, certain players. And I think that's been developed, that's been growing in the background. I think Jerome, and this is, you got to remember when this, this noise around Jerome and his management company started to build was in the preseason. I remember messaging, messaging Jerome in February and said, mate, I've heard you want to change management companies. I've heard this, this, and this. And Jerome at the time, it's, it's gone now because he's obviously gone to a new management company, asked me not to run anything. And he said, mate, I still haven't decided what I'm doing. Please leave it for now. And, and I respected Jerome's wishes. But if you go back, that's February. A month earlier, Stephen Crichton was pissed off with the club about what happened, which eventually led to him going to the Bulldogs. So I think this whole thing has been festering around for the last 12 months around an attitude that perhaps some players aren't getting treated the way they should be treated by the club. On the flip side, it's a three-time premiership winning club trying to keep a very talented roster together who has got representative stars coming out of their you-know-what. Hmm. I can such, understand why there's some reluctance to yeah. throw big money at everyone. It's such a difficult thing to, to – and that we've seen it in previous years with other clubs who have had great success and then trying to keep everyone happy at once and then letting some go and keeping those who remain happy and et cetera, et cetera. It's a difficult thing and that's the – it's a good problem to have if you're Penrith, though, when you've done what they've done um, in terms of lifting trophies in the last couple of years. Guys, to another story that's popped up in the last uh, week or so, Michael Jennings. Now, this is out of nowhere. I, I can't see how, just from physically, pure physically, how this makes sense. 35-year-old spent what he has out of the game. Obviously, the off-field stuff, which has become something that belongs on the front pages rather than the back pages. But the Roosters chucking him a... A bone? What, what's going on here? Well, you've got to see it for what it's worth, right? I mean, it's not to play NRL. It's to be mm. playing the New South Wales Cup with their feeder clubs and helping out some of the young guys who, who have come through. And you know, Michael was obviously a really, really good footballer back in the day. He played for state, played for country. Um, he's been through some pretty serious stuff off the field. It cost him a lot of time and a lot of money. And obviously the Roosters believe he can be a good influence on some of the young guys who are coming through, sharing his story, mentoring them, helping make sure they don't suffer the same pitfalls as he's suffered. Whether he plays in the NRL, look, they re-signed Dylan Napa this year. He played a couple of NRL games for memory, didn't he? Um, and he was re-signed, re-signed for the same purpose, sort of help their feeder clubs. So look, he may, get, he may play at some point. It's not out the realms of possibility, mm. but it, there's a few – hoops to jump through yet and at the moment it's not about playing NRL it's about helping out their feeder clubs yeah look I think Danny Wadlam sort of mentioned about a month ago that there was a possibility that he was looking for a train and trial and when he wrote that I thought well no one's going to probably give him that opportunity but I think you and Michael Karianis in your column on the weekend wrote that the Roosters have, have given him that opportunity I, look 
I'm surprised that they are, but also knowing sort of Trent Robinson and the fact that you, you're right, there have been a lot of former players that end up going back there. They tried to get Mitchell Pierce back there in some capacity for next year. I think Robbo feels this sort of debt to the players that have served him well over previous years and he's given him that opportunity. But yeah, I, I can't see him returning and being one of the prime centers in the competition. But as Reedy said, it's, it's not what it's about. It wouldn't surprise me if he plays a game at some point. Yeah. What happened? I mean, will it get approved? Do you think? Well, that's that's the issue. That's the that's one of those big hoops he's got to jump through, whether the NRL approves it or not. Yeah, because obviously there's been a, a range of off-field issues yeah. that he's had to deal with over the last few years, and I yeah, I think there'll be a few yeah rather big obstacles for Michael Jennings to jump through before he gets there. Yeah, Reedy, have you done buzz out of his column? Have you? You you do his column on a Sunday. Buzz now. on holidays. He's on okay. the sabbatical. Are you going to knife him with that? So Mick and Mick Carianis, who who I think wide-ended me to get a start on this week or two ago, (laughs) uh, he and I do his column while he's away. It takes two of us to replace Buzz. That's how good he is. Well, mate, he was was, was saying you were surprised it takes Buzz all week to file that, how easy it is to write (laughs) that column. So anyway. He's old though. You've got to remember he's old. Does things a lot slower, Buzz. On that theme. Young Bucks. What happens to you guys that you – Chamis was explaining last week that he's got about three months off. I find oh, that extraordinary. Please, what about his life? Please. What about his life? Oh, my God. Do you ever work? Uh, Reedy, you're Mate, going I'm off I'm here to do doing you out of a job, all right? It's your first time here. I've been here for 36 weeks straight. The golf, golf's hard work, Adam. Yeah, long golf. days, mate. Long it days. It is long days. Yeah, long, yeah. long walks and everything. Good, good buffet, though. What happens if – I knew there was a reason why you did it. Yeah. What happens if – look, if you're on the golf or you're on holidays or Chamis when you're on your, your three-month sabbatical – a massive yarn drops in your lap. What do you do? Do you palm it on to a colleague you don't really like anyway? No, you get on with all your <laughs> colleagues. Or do you call the boss and go, hey, off the bench for this one, buddy. You'll have 800 words in, you know, an hour's time. What do you do? Look, I think well, you do it yourself, don't you? Well, there's different, the different degrees. Admit, if someone rings you and we says – We all want our name on the story, don't we? Depends what it is, though. Depends what if it is. A, he's saying a massive yarn. Oh, if it's a massive yarn. A massive yeah, yarn yeah, yeah, yeah. Then you do it yourself. Yeah. If it's a piddly little yarn, well, you just pass it on and get yourself on the metadata. Yeah, it really gets so his get minions Really gets his minions to do his work. <laughs> but the big ones, no. When I go away, Adam, on holidays, I always take my laptop. No wonder Kylie hates and you. And my iPad. <laughs> Well, she'd prefer to spend time away from me anyway. She doesn't want to spend time with me. I know. Reedy goes on all these trips and I feel, you know, normally you go on a trip, you feel guilty. He, he's happy because his wife's happy to get him out of the house. Yeah. <laughs> so when I went to Magnetic Island after the season was over four days, took my yeah. laptop with me. Did you file? Right, yarn? Yeah, well, we had to do the column, the Saturday oh, column, okay. so I had to, had to file you know, some stuff while I was away. I've got vivid memories of being in Singapore a few years back and, and filing – on the whole, Ivan Cleary, West Tigers, Anthony Seabold, Wayne, Be- like that whole coaching saga at the end of the year. Yeah, I still remember working on our holidays then. Yeah. and I was at Byron Bay during that period. During that period, yeah, Were you working? It. Yeah, working. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's there's one. It's sort of a bit different to what you're saying though, Adam. There's one that haunts me. Mm. Haunts you? Yeah, it was it was years ago actually. Josh Reynolds. Do you remember the whole? Drama around Josh Reynolds with the woman who Arabella or whatever her name was, yeah, was Arabella. What yeah. she did to him was was sickening. But it was obviously a, a court case at the time. And Josh is someone I really have got along with over the years and got to know over the years and have a good relationship with. And I was a, pretty close to him. I was across a lot of the things that had been happening for months, months beforehand, which eventually led to uh, him being charged. And he wanted some help. And at the time, I was at NRL.com, finishing up at NRL.com, the governing body website and heading to the Sydney Morning Herald. 
And it was in between jobs and I was in limbo and I knew for NRL.com, I couldn't delve into this story. It just wasn't something the governing body was going to, to approve. And I was speaking to the Herald, mm. wondering if I could help Josh, because a lot of the information that came out was so damning to the woman involved and what she did to Josh Reynolds. In the end, I said to Josh, mate, I'd love to help you, but I'm caught in a situation where I can't do anything right now. And Josh and his management, and you, you, I think they find they reached out to, to Neil Breen, who was at Channel 9 at the time, and he did an incredible job on exposing this woman and what she had done to Josh Reynolds over many, many months. Well, I think it was over a year to what she'd done and fake pregnancies and whatnot that led to Josh being uh, cleared of all this, of all wrongdoing. So that was one that to pass up was was hard. But in the end, so when you have a relationship with someone, you're also happy in a way that it got out for him uh, and, and mm. cleared his name in a way. Ready, you got anything along those lines? I mean, so Chamus didn't write the story, even though he could have made a really great return to the Sydney Morning Herald. <laughs> no, like not really. No, the only one that sticks in my mind is when Ben Hunt was weighing up what he was doing when he was leaving the Broncos. Was it the Broncos he left? It was, wasn't it, to go to St. George? Was it? Did he go straight from Brisbane to St. George? Where I else did he remember. go? You go anywhere in between? Oh, mate. It was so long. It was we six years. We got this it was bloke seven to come years in. ago. I can't remember. Well, he's played at two clubs. Yeah, sorry. Okay. When he was leaving Brisbane. What an imbecile. <laughs> and you call yourself a rugby league reporter. Yeah, no and wonder. A, and a Broncos no fan, one, so I'm yeah. on fire. No wonder we got um, that. We can edit that out. Charlie, good on you, mate. No, um, no. He was leaving <laughs> Brisbane. <laughs> I remember getting a phone call. I was camping. I can't remember where we were. I think we were maybe at Yamber or something like that. Surprise, surprise. You can't remember a lot of things. And uh, someone rang me and said, mate, the Dragons have offered him six years, about $6 million. And I went, no, you're kidding, are you? And it turned out it was true. I filed on it, filed the yarn. Well, it five years, $6 million, wasn't it? 1. Five years, $6 million. Yeah. Five years, $6 million, yeah. So I can't remember the terms. I just remember the $6 million. I was camping. I filed it from a hammock. Clearly you weren't on $6 million. <laughs> <laughs> That's the Gents, best that... story, when you can file from a hammock, Adam. That is you a good story. can't beat that. No, you cannot. With the beach in the distance. That's makes you think that you don't really need to go into the office at all in your gig. Mm. Anyway, yeah. uh, Reedy, I'm looking forward to reading about your uh, exclusive about Sam Burgess coming back to the club after Blake Solly just tried to give you a buzz. So, um, <laughs> Is that going to happen, do you think? Uh, Sam think Burgess, badged, will he ever come I, back I, to the I club? rang him this morning. I can't even remember what I rang him for. I think it was just a jibber. Okay. So he's just run me back. You Nothing do – you do, yeah, you throw the line out though with – Thing, I'll just call him a catch up, mate. What do you got? And all yeah. of a sudden, you got a yeah. yeah they so. might have something. To be fair to this guy, when I was coming through at a young age in this, did I talk industry, to you? I, didn't, oh, talk I, to I you, didn't like. I didn't like you at the start. <laughs> Same as well for different reasons. Widler would sit and like he thought he was better than everyone. I I realised later that he was an introvert and he actually was trying to. He wasn't being rude. He just keeps to himself. That's Danny Widler. Yeah. Whereas you, I would rock up to a press box and you were just so annoying you and your mate Stewie Honeyset oh, you're just yeah. annoying everyone we just annoyed everyone talking yeah. crap and I was like what's wrong with this guy he yeah. soon mm. became my hero Reedy soon <laughs> became guess what <laughs> Far out. guess what you're going to brother guess what, what Chammy I'm that now guy you're now. that guy. <laughs> now you're that guy. <laughs> I know. I actually do feel that sometimes when I walk into a press box. You are which, annoying. Which isn't very often, but I do be You are really, a pest. Well, that's, Changing that's, people's phone numbers in their phone, throwing boxes of buckets of M&Ms in people's faces. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, you haven't got a tool with this bloke. He is a pest. Uh, no, thanks. Hey, guys, they get got stuck a... playing PlayStation with him at 2 a.m. in the morning. Oh, dear. Yeah, well, you should know better. Before we go, you got a tip for the cup? Do you know who's running? Pacific Cup. <laughs> <laughs> You're an idiot. Right, listen, I'm not a horse guy, mate. I'm not a horse guy. So nah, fair I don't know I, what I, had to put, I had to give a tip to the paper. I think I yeah. went, um, is there one called Solcom? Solcom. Solcom, yes. That one. Chris I think I that one. Yeah. Either that or Valban I tipped, which is the oh, favourite, yeah. right? Yeah, exactly. One of those so two, yeah. Who I've got? Got a to I've got a topical tip for this podcast. 
And it's based on the fact that um, a few weeks ago, talking of holidays, I went on holidays. So I thought, what am I going to tip for these guys for the cup? And I'm actually going to back it. And it's along the lines of the thought of Michael Chamis thinking that he can host this particular podcast and the horse's name is absurd. So that <laughs> is the tip for the Melbourne Cup. Trained by Willie Mullins and ridden by Zach Purton, absurd number seven. So that'll do me, gents. Number seven? Okay, yeah. I'm going to back that. That's my lucky number. Halfback, yeah. Good luck, gents. Uh, thanks for dropping in, Reedy. Um, That's right. Appreciate yeah, your time on Footy Talk. And uh, maybe no when we kick Chamis out, you can come and join us or when Widler can't rock Brilliant. up when he moves house again in, the, in a couple I'm of months. I'm happy to wide end Chamis any time. <laughs> Wonderful. Chammy, thanks, mate. Have a good one. Adam, I appreciate it, mate. Always a pleasure. That was Footy Talk. Once again, the Journos edition. Have a great week, everyone. <laughs>